Welcome to the Filament Games Podcast, a show dedicated to game-based learning. Here are your hosts, Brandon Pitzer and Dan Norton. Always restorative to hear that song. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a sauna for the ears. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. This is Brandon speaking. I have Dan Norton with me and special guest Rich Halverson. Hey, everybody. As many of you might be wondering, who is Rich Halverson? Why, how did he get into this room with us? Why, why is he, him in here. Why is he brandishing that knife? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so um, I've got, so yeah, so Rich is a professor at UW-Madison uh, in, is it, it's a policy administration. Education, leadership, and policy analysis. There we go. Macro he's, stuff. He's in charge of, yeah, big thinking about <laughs> how schools should be doing things right is maybe, I don't know, is that fair? Is that mm-hmm. a fair, simple? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, he's also a founding leader of the GLS organization at the time, GAPS. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, right? And uh, and also, I think, I mean, one of the things I'd like to you know, cheer about Rich is like that I have, a, I have an anecdote about Rich I often used to describe when, when people ask me, like, what's the deal with that guy? Um, when Filament was first getting started... Uh, you know, at the time when we're like, yes, we have business cards. You know, like that was our triumph. <laughs> we were still making zero dollars for doing any things. And uh, Rich Halverson hired me to help him learn about the wild, wild world of flash animation, um, which was not an essential skill for Rich to pick up. This was not key to his survival, um, but uh, him throwing some some work my way uh, in a was honestly a very pleasurable, fun activity to do anyway, helped keep me uh, fed and with, you know, a video game income. So Yeah, well, it validated your business cards. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's certainly, I, you know, I like to sum it up as like there, that, that point in time, there was no particularly good reason to support me or Filament, and Rich was there. So he's, uh, he's a, in lots of ways, a founding member of Filament in that way because it was... That was very, very good support, and I appreciate it. All right. Geniuses, all of you. Geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. so uh, I think today, um, obviously, we can talk about a lot of different subjects. Rich has been in the field and study of games and learning for longer than I have. Mm. Um, but I know uh, we want to get through a variety of topics. So where would you like to start, Brandon? Well... Like I always like to start, I'd like to start with a question about what we're playing these days. Yeah. Okay. So let's uh, let's give that to Rich as as the special guest. Well, I'm an old guy, and uh, as Dan said, uh, I probably have been playing video games longer than you've been alive. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably true. <laughs> it could be true. Yeah. So I I feel like in order to keep up with what's going on, I have to be playing something. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I sort of tell my friends that hey, I'm playing video games because, you know, I have to for my job. That's also my excuse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm staying um, current. <laughs> so I'm all, I always, I always play something. I was into the Civ um, uh, reboot that what's, what's the interplanetary Civ? Oh, Beyond Earth? Or? Beyond Earth. Yeah. yeah. I played that for a while. Um, when, uh, when um, I have a son, Nick, who's in the Air Force, and when he was a teenager, we were like huge Diablo Warcraft players mm-hmm. All right. until he started kicking my butt so badly that I didn't want to play with him anymore, <laughs> which made me turn towards single-player games. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. 
But now I'm playing, uh, I play like one hopelessly dorky game on mobile. I play Gems of War. Which I don't know if you guys know this franchise. I have not heard of Gems. No. It's like of War. the uh, <laughs> you remember the little the little uh, the little gems games where you match the gems. Sure, like a bejeweled. 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 Yeah. It's like yeah. bejeweled, except they've integrated Hearthstone and they've integrated like player community and stores, and it's just like this Je- Frankenstein monster Rube Goldberg game. Right. Gems of War. It's just yeah. I, I, I love I, the name. I, I love adding of war to anything really, <laughs> as a game title. It's great. It's like it's, it's it's super fitted to people who say like I don't want to wait for fourteen more purple gems. Buy them. Yes. All right. Yes. Yeah. All right. And then I started playing um, uh, Crashlands mm-hmm. about yes. uh, I don't know maybe about two months ago. Nice. And wow. I you were around that way before we were early yeah, adopters. It was. It was uh, <laughs> it's good. I really like it. Yeah. I like I like the Diablo go and kill monster stuff, but then it also has a little crafty thing in yeah, it, yeah. building stuff on it, and yep. it's very peaceful. And I write. I a lot of my time I spent writing. Okay. Books and articles and stuff, and then I just like look forward to the time of the clock where I could take my crash lines <laughs> break. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So how far are you? I am. They have little percentages. Okay. I think I'm like ten percent. Okay. So like of the map is covered. Bog tundra, or like in the first area. The I'm still savanna. in the first area. Okay. I don't even know that there was other areas. Oh yeah, it's coming. Yeah, man. It's oh, coming. Yeah. 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 I, I can't. Multiple I climbs. I don't. I have like a very brief attention span for games. I I actually can't play for that long. Like right. twenty minutes, and I'm like, okay, good. Whew, okay, right. back yeah. to life. You know, that's that's kind of where I'm at with that game. Like, I've hit a curve where if I want my next upgrade, I have to play for a big chunk of time rather mm-hmm. than just right out, right out of the gate. I could play it on my phone and just be like, poo, 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 hey, new hat. Um, <laughs> and now it's like. Poo, 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 poo. New hat. <laughs> so I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much deeper I'm going to push in. But I, uh, I want that to be like my ringtone or something. <laughs> Just when I call. Just new hat. Yeah, new hat. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, that's that's about where I'm at with the game too. It's mm-hmm. uh, I've definitely slowed down with it because I was playing it while I was running long trade routes in free, freelancer. <laughs> 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 because I clearly need more to do it's with my so time. Funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, I beat freelancer, so now I don't have yeah. now I don't have those trade routes anymore. Now, now you have to play. Oh, what's the, I always forget that Elite Dangerous. I can't do it. You because then you could definitely play Crashlands while waiting to. Well, that's true. Yeah, it's that's another, true. Another game with a lot of waiting in a chair as part of a core mechanic. Yeah. 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 That, cl- that classic MMO mechanic. Yeah. So, Finally. So engaging. Waiting in a chair again. Doesn't get any better. <laughs> they do They do that funny thing in Crashlands, though, where you're like crafting your stuff and then you'll hit it and it'll say, it's going to take one minute and seven seconds to make right? this thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Then why would it take that long? Yeah, Because it could happen instantly. Yeah. Why would Why would you make me wait? Like, there's it's, nothing I can buy. Right. And so, like, if it was something I could buy, I could see why you'd want to say, hold on, have you considered our store? But see, they don't say that. That's and that's true. like, and that, true. you know, I had that same reaction, like, playing World of Warcraft. Like, you would get hit with, like, an exorbitant auction house fee or something, and you're like, why is this happening? But then you realize, like, oh, they're balancing the economy. They're, like, trying to suppress inflation. But, yeah, mm. in a game like Crashlands, there is no, like, system that it's impacting at all. It's, it's just... Possible theory. Uh, it could have been, like a vestigial thing like at one point they're like and this is where we'll drop the transaction in yeah and then then they didn't but they kept it so yeah I thought that too that could be it it could also just be like they're just trying to make it more real because 
That's what you go to crash lands yeah. for. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. For that <laughs> guy jumping. Yeah, like, I like that. Yeah, yeah, just jumping idle. It's so funny. Well, so Rich, I'd love to talk to you about, you know, the real reason that you're here. Well, I mean, any of the reasons are the real reason that you're here, really. But um, I'd like to get kind of into the, the meat and potatoes of the podcast um, and talk about, uh, you know, what you do um, as a learning games researcher and kind of what that involves. What's your day to day like? And, uh, you know, what, what is what's your life like? That's a yeah. Um, I was one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. I'm happy to say when I, I came to UW-Madison in 2001. And uh, before that, I was a uh, high school teacher and uh, principal at a high school in cool. Chicago. Cool. I just found out this uh, about three weeks ago that my school is closing. <gasps> a little little school in Chicago mm. after all these years is closing. Well, that's sad. Seton Academy, shout out. Um, but when I came here to UW-Madison, there was no such thing as games and learning. It didn't exist. Hmm. And uh, we had uh, our, our fearless leader uh, at the time was Jim G. Mm-hmm. And Jim was a professor in the uh, curriculum and instruction department. And Jim brought together uh, five uh, young professors who all had some research agenda around technology and learning and who he thought would be lead to a, make a dynamic super team. Mm-hmm. So he brought us all together and formed a, a group um, that I think it was your first work as a game developer was through the, through the GAPS group. Correct. Right? And uh, Dan White, who is a co-founder of Filament, mm-hmm. was uh, one of the students in, in, that, in that group. Mm-hmm. And in, it was in 2003, and at that time we would apply for grants, and people would tell us, like, don't use the word games. Yeah. <laughs> use interactive technological environments when you're writing your grant. Wow. And Jim and Kurt Squire and Constance Steinkuhler and me and David Schaefer would be like we were the vanguard. We were the people who would say, "No, nope, it's games for learning." Cool. And then uh, Constance uh, Steinkuhler started this amazing conference, the GLS conference, which brought together people from around the world to talk about games and learning. And uh, a couple years after that, uh, so the the game game development, game design was always like a part of my work, but not the main the main thrust. But then we got involved um, in a project with uh, Wisconsin Institutes for Discovery, mm-hmm. probably about eight years ago now, um, to develop a, a games lab in a biomedical research facility. Wow. And the idea was that our games would provide something for the researchers to talk about across their domain, so like a way for them to collaborate. So if we would make a game that modeled... Um, like how a virus invades a cell, mm. then the virologist would look at that game and say whether we got it right, but then the other folks would also look at the game and say, we would like something like that. We have a phenomenon very much like that that we'd like to model. So it was like our game group was designed to foster interdisciplinary collaboration. And oh, very cool. That was my, um, that was my real uh, sort of venture into game development because I was there at the initial design um, discussions for games on virology, uh, environmental science, um, and inherent bias—all kinds of really cool learning games—and that was like the the best experience that I had. And just sort of what makes a learning game interesting and what makes it playable, um, which was sort of an abiding concern that I've had. So let's dive into that a little bit more. Do you have uh, what? What? Are, I guess what are your features? What's what are the bullet points of 
of that theory? Like, what what do you think is what makes a good game on on the learning side? Well, a good game, uh, there's sort of like what makes a good game and what makes a good learning game. Uh, A good game makes you want to explore that world and repeat the play. So it's like combination of like uh, addiction and curiosity that gets you to want to play the game again and again and again. But a learning game has that added dimension that there's there's content or skills or something that you're supposed to get through your play. So with a conventional game, um, the game is the end in itself. Mm-hmm. You're just supposed to play, right? You know, mm-hmm. like when you're playing Crash Lands, if you learn about the making economy, then God bless you, right? That's not, that's not a design a design outcome. But if you're in a learning game, you're supposed to pick up something about biology or botany or something, sure. right? Mm-hmm. And so, the key thing is what what we what we found in our in our research is that you can aim too low which means that you focus on the genre, mm-hmm. right? Like the math blaster type things, right? Yep. Where, where you like, you're, you're focusing on the genre of a gameplay and then there's some content pasted on, right? That's shooting too low, mm-hmm. it's too gamey. Yep. But then you can also shoot too content-like and then it turns into a simulation. And right. It's not any fun. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that sweet spot in the middle is really hard to get to. And what, what we found in working at, at um, the Institutes for Discovery is that this is, there, there's always, um, how should I put this, like chunks of information that make sense to scientists that if you strip away some of the vocabulary, they make sense to regular people too. Mm. So here's an example of this. So stem cell science, super complicated, right? Lots and lots of chemical transformations, applications of radiation, like really sophisticated science, mm-hmm. just drowned in high uh, capacity vocabulary. And concepts, but the basic principle of stem cell science is you take a group of cells that have not differentiated, you do some stuff to them, <laughs> they turn into another group of cells, and then based on what you'd like them to do next, you do some more stuff to them, right. and then they turn into the cells that you can plant in a body, and then you do some transition stuff, and then they become part of a body. So it's like a four-step process. Well, if you explain that to a kid, to mm-hmm. a six a sixth grader, they'll go like. Oh, I get it. Right. Like right. three transformations, mm-hmm. right? And it's in. Mm-hmm. And so that that sort of like um, that that accessible chunk of process, mm-hmm. which is actually what the scientists do, can be turned into a game-based environment where if you give players a functional understanding of how that system works, the vocabulary can come later. Right. So then they'll so then when they get this sort of the transformation, 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 and then you put the technical language on top of it, they got a framework, sort of a narrative framework to understand what's going on. And the GLS approach approach to game design was always games as a part of something bigger. And so we always thought about games as um, things that teachers could then use to amplify their their instruction. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, the challenge for learning game design, which you guys at Filament do remarkably well. I mean, like the, the best that I've seen in the in the sort of the the non university world. Checks in the mail. Is, is finding <laughs> You well, get that challenge. No, that's, that's all right. That's it's, in. It's, it's real good. I mean, it's like you, you find the piece of content that's interesting in a complex domain and then you make it playable. Mm. And that's just like a it's it's so many learning games don't do that. You know, they'll either make it too quizzy mm-hmm. right. or too gamey, yep. and they'll miss that sort of like, do you get photosynthesis, right? Or do you get how pollution, you know, goes goes through the world? And that's the that's the sweet spot, I think. 
Yeah, and uh, you know a lot of um, a lot of what you're kind of talking about there, we've we've hit on before in terms of thinking about taking something super complex and abstracting it, because that's you know when you, when you're talking through it, um, that's the do stuff phase, right? That's that's where it's where you've hit the abstract and you've mm-hmm. actually stripped out some of that really kind of inaccessible language. In terms of kind of the other technologies that you're involved in and, and analyzing um, at a policy level um, and, and at a leadership level, what what else do you see um, kind of outside of learning games as as having a huge impact on on the education on the education world in the near future? Well, most of my work is on um, how technologies are changing the world of learning, mm-hmm. but they're not changing the world world of schooling. Mm-hmm. So mm. most people live in a world where they're constantly connected with technologies that are serving their their desires, right? Like if I go to uh, into a research lab, I see screens all over the place, scientists, writers, working on projects, looking stuff up. If you're in any meeting that you go to, people got their laptops open and they're looking up things as the meeting is going on. Mm-hmm. When you go in a school, there's still textbooks. Kids yeah. like focused in on one message. Yep. So this sort of multi-threaded experience that everybody in the world has. Right. Right is not what we teach in our schools, and the the sad part to me about that is that kids who go home and their parents live in that information rich world, they get those habits by osmosis. Yeah. But kids whose parents have blue collar jobs mm-hmm. or they're not working, they never get those skills. They don't get them at school, mm-hmm. and they don't get them at home. So this creates an enormous digital divide. Yep. And so a lot of the work that I've been looking at in the past couple of years is really trying to, how do you give kids a common experience of what it means to be a digital citizen? And which schools are out in front doing that that work so that we can start to use the same kind of technologies for learning in schools that we use out all the time? Where do you think Hmm. the responsibility lies for kind of addressing that digital divide? I think it's with policymakers. I think it's with people who run schools. I think that that many many of our school leaders uh, ap- uh, approach technology with fear of abuse. Mm. Like they look at appropriate use policies. Mm-hmm. They look at things like um, what are kids going to be searching for, yeah. and are they going to be cheating on their homework? Rather than how can they just manage their lives with their devices? Right? So that, that's funny. I so in my experience, I'm, I'm a stock photographer, and I got into that a couple of years ago. And the reason I had gotten into it is I was making a lot of presentations uh, for my previous company that had a lot of mobile learning initiatives. And when I was out there looking for images of cell phones in the classroom, all I would find would be pictures <laughs> of teachers confiscating right, cell phones, right. <laughs> taking flip phones from kids, yelling at kids, kids looking unhappy. Like that's all that was available. So I was like, oh, I found a niche. <laughs> Um, and kind of produced a bunch of imagery like that, but you're 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 right on. Is that there's there is that attitude, that apprehension out there, and of course that's not ubiquitous. Um, you know we've we've worked with uh, Sun Prairie locally, and they're you know very pro tech and very uh, progressive in terms of how they incorporate technology into their kind of institution. You get there's people like the folks at Sun Prairie. There's a really good organization outside of Milwaukee called the Institute for Pro- uh, Personalized Learning. Mm-hmm. So it, that that brings together teachers and schools from across Wisconsin to say like we can use these tools to make a better world for our young people and it's starting to surge you know 5 years ago I was when I when I first started writing about this I was sort of depressed 
Sure. Because we were stuck in this sort of like (laughs) test-based, standards-based, common education for all environment where the focus was on how much could kids cram into their heads rather than how could they manipulate the systems around them. Mm -hmm. But in five years, it's, it's, it's really changed. Part of it is the iPad you know, part of it is just the ubiquity of internet access now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you now you see educators really making headway into integrating these kinds of tools in the everyday experiences of kids. Yeah, it's, and that's you know that's been our experience as well. As we go out to districts and everything, we'll find folks that are, you know, they're they need basically an introduction <laughs> to the concept or there we'll, we'll kind of give them the introductory content they'll be like yeah, this is baby stuff let's move on please you know so mm-hmm. there's there's already people out there that are you know they have that affinity and they have that kind of fluency already mm-hmm. yeah um, the, who Brandon who said the you know the future is now it's just not evenly distributed oh gosh I don't William remember Gibson is that Gibson, it was Gibson. Yeah. I feel like uh, this is Jeopardy who is William Gibson yes <laughs> correct correct <laughs> Oh yes, just, oh, yeah. We can't have a thank God we brought a yeah. professor. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we never would have yeah. come up with that. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, that's it's definitely true, and not only with schools, but in our work for hire. Right, mm-hmm. we meet with different organizations, and they're at drastically different levels of thinking about how to use technology and games and learning. And you know, we are we're ready to talk to them wherever they are on that trajectory. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I kind of like it when they're a little earlier on the trajectory, just so so we can mold them. Yeah, it, sometimes <laughs> it's awkward to make someone go backwards, right? You know, it's like tough yeah. to be like, "Hi, I'm Dan Norton, and and you're incorrect about several things. Yeah, you must uh, you, you know, must unlearn what you have. Yeah, learned. that is awkward. That is awkward. So it's nice when it's nice when they're uh, yeah ready to be shaped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I have another note here um, that I think our readers will really enjoy, our viewers, um, mm-hmm. which is that uh, Rich is a basketball expert That's to right. an extent, to an extent. Comparatively. Comparatively. Yeah. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah, <laughs> as much as an old white guy can be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, Rich. What is basketball? Yeah, what is the basketballs? <laughs> That's less, yeah. So actually, what was our original conversation, Brandon? I remember that the key point we were we were sussing out first. Oh, yes. How many rules do you think are in basketball? All of them. Okay, they got all the rules. See, <laughs> all right. I started with five, I think, and then we I conceded it was almost certainly more than eight. Yeah, one of the um, rules was something about... Sick, nasty dunks. Right. How sick or nasty can a dunk be? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Now, actually, I did see the dunk contest this year, and I do feel like it was it was kind of a robbery. The runner-up, he seemed better. I don't know if you saw that. But. Yeah, they have a bunch of really young guys doing the dunk contest now who yeah. you don't... I mean, back in the day, they would have like the the Like the, the majors, stars. right? Yeah. yeah. Michael, Michael Jordan and uh, Dominique Wilkins would like hammer it out against mm. each other. Mm-hmm. I know we have lots of basketball fans out there who follow our <laughs> podcast, but as a game, what draws you to basketball? Well, I was a, I grew up in Wisconsin and uh, I grew up when I, when I was growing up, I, I just remember becoming conscious like nine or 10 years old after Vince Lombardi left the Packers, mm-hmm. which if for those older members of the audience, then 25 years of stink ensued and the Packers were no good for my entire childhood. Mm. 
But the Milwaukee Bucks won the world championship in 1971 hmm. with one of the greatest basketball teams ever put together. It was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his third year in the league, and then Oscar Robertson, who's one of the greatest guards who ever played in sort of the last part of his career, mm-hmm. okay. an outstanding supporting cast, and they just stormed through the NBA. They, they beat all the teams, and, and that was just like, there's a champion. Right here, All right. and so I was completely, completely enthralled by by pro basketball. And then shortly after that, uh, the Marquette then Warriors were a giant basketball powerhouse. Their coach was Al McGuire, okay, who you guys probably did never heard hear of. No, um, <laughs> uh, he was a Wisconsin legend. And when I got into high school, I thought, well, there's I only have one choice of where I'm going to go to college. I got to go to Marquette so I can see. The Marquette Warriors play basketball. Wow. So I went there, and it was awesome. Uh, Doc Rivers, who's now the coach of the uh, the uh, L.A. Clippers, was at Marquette at the time. And so I got to watch his huh. career go all the way through. Cool. And I've just been a diehard pro and uh, college basketball fan ever since. Interesting. It's so. the, the, I think the reason why is because they're the best athletes in the world. All right. I mean, I went to, I uh, was in New York uh, a couple of, about a month ago, and I got a chance to see the Golden State Warriors, who are the mm-hmm. current champs, play against the New York Knicks at mm-hmm. Madison Square Garden. And this was just ballet at a very high level. I mean, these, these are the best athletes in the world pitted against each other on a pretty small space. Yeah. And it's just it's it's like uh, it, it's it's complex. There's constant movement. There's strategy. It's it's brilliant athletics. I don't know how to watch basketball, so I just see a lot of guys running back and forth. And so it's been I've never understood what the merit is of having the longer game. I was like, uh, now I do. So I can give you some some tips on that. Yeah, because I have a nine year old at home who's struggling to figure out what's going on in basketball. Uh-huh. Find the best player okay. to just watch that person. Okay. Especially if the person's a shooter, then you'll see everybody else on the team running around to get that person free. They they do this thing. They set picks, which is basically stand in the way of the guy who's guarding your best guy, and then people run into you, and then the and then the the shooter gets free, and then and then takes the shot. Okay. And so if you just watch, the, or the best defender. Like if you ask the guy next to you, say, well, who's the best defender? And they'll say number nine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Watch what that guy does to fight through picks and to put his hand in the face of the player and to disrupt the the general team game. The, the Badgers this year have a it's like a defensive stopper. This guy's name, um, uh, Zach Showalter, who doesn't really score a lot of points. He doesn't get a lot of stats. But, man, if you watch him play, he's the hardest working guy on the court. He is always up in somebody's business. Huh. He is irritating the hell out of somebody. <laughs> he's just like he's just like under their skin mm-hmm. and then they get unnerved and and he's like <laughs> it's, it's great to watch. That's true. I feel yes. like I feel like sports tips for third graders could be a regular segment on Yeah, that'd show. be good. That'd be good. It's right at our level. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Contronym Corner. So, we, yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, I'd imagine that that's what our audience does too. Yeah. Just kind of mm, like, okay, uh, all right, all right. Yeah. contronym's fine. <laughs> so every week, uh, Brandon uh, brings us a contronym, and we'll discuss its merit. We just at, rate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Discuss basically. it and rate it. Yeah. So what? What's the contronym of the week? Variety. Oh, it's a kind of grape. 
Yes. And it's also many things. There it is. It's also a magazine. Yeah. Dubious quality. That's true. <laughs> That's true as well. But is a magazine the opposite of a... Of a grape? A grape. <laughs> <laughs> These are the kind of questions we dig into. Yeah. So, All so right. yeah. So, first we identify... Usually, the longer it takes to identify, that also turns into a lower evaluation of the quality of it. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you think, Rich? Is that is that a reasonable contronym? Is it a fulfilling its obligation to be the opposite of itself? You mean this activity? <laughs> no, the, the variety, variety itself. No, yeah, leave yeah. aside your opinions about <laughs> yeah, the segment. Yeah. Forget Don't about the set, no. <laughs> set the judgment of the quality of this segment aside. Let's focus on variety of the word. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I believe that that would explain all of the stuff. All okay. Right. All right. All right. Excellent. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Film and Games Podcast. If you'd like to hear more about games, game-based learning, and well-informed, accurate observations about sports and such, subscribe today on Stitcher or iTunes. 